Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, today we are talking about the 12th episode of the third season of Leverage called The King George Job. Beth, what did you think? Okay, I know that it was not exactly a reach, but I am still proud of myself for low-key guessing. You would bang on. There, like, <laughs> you, like, you were like, oh, and you, yeah. Like, I don't think I have the right to be truly obnoxious about this one, but I, I'm kind of like, okay, okay. It is, it is definitely the most accurate you've been in a while. Yeah, I didn't guess sustainable fish farming again, so. <laughs> you never know when a sustainable fish farming episode is going to pop up. I did guess sustainable fish farming, because I guessed that was King George Whiting. You did. <laughs> oh, God, I'm predictable, guys. Um, anyway, no, I, I was happy that I like low key guessed it, Mm. even though it was kind of fucking obvious and that's why I guessed it. But aside from that, aside from your victory this week, aside from my small victory, well, 50% victory, because you still did guess sustainable fish farming. (laughs) Yeah, I need to stop doing that. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I won't. Um, it's one, very easy to spin into a lot of leverage titles, and two, my favourite bit other than dumb hats. So, anyway. Worst thing is if it's a dumb bit, I can't even get mad. Like, <laughs> Okay, here's the thing. I really, really like this episode okay. for, like, a lot of different reasons. Mm. Like, there are a lot of compounding factors that I like individually mm. that will, like... I don't just like it because of, like, oh, I enjoyed the plot, or, yeah. like, oh, I enjoy... The banter. Like, there are lots of different compounding things about a lot of different aspects of this episode that I very much enjoyed. And I don't quite know how or where to start. Okay. So if you have a direction you'd like to pitch us in, I will jump over. I I think I know exactly where I want us to start this week. Mm Mm-hmm. That place is Moreau. Okay. We get the first confirmed connection to Moreau mm-hmm. that we've had in a while. Yes. Uh, so no. <laughs> I wanted to see how you're feeling about that and the overarching plot. And then we can get into like the nitty gritty stuff of the episode later. Uh-huh. Not a supernatural code to leverage episode yet again. But I do have a note that says this is the part where three, is it three or four episodes from the finale we are? Four. So okay. you've got this one, you've got another one, you've got one, and then you've got the finale. Yeah. Yep. So... Not to Supernatural Code, the Leverage episode, yet again, but I do have a note. In fact, it's my first note. And the note is, this is the part where four episodes out from the finale, they realised there was supposed to be a plot this season. (laughs) Because literally, I think the opening line of the episode is Nate talking about Moreau. And I was like, ah, yes, reminding everyone that we were supposed to be doing something. I mean, to be fair, they also did that last week. Yeah, I just, like, Like, this this was much more overt in the sense that... Last week it was like, we should really do something about Moreau. And they're like, you'll be fucking fine, mate. (laughs) And then this week was like, let's actually do something about... It's like last week they remembered that Moreau was a thing. And so they like dealt with that. Now they're like, oh, now we have to actually deal with Moreau. Yeah, they're like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, it's literally that thing where like you've got like an assignment or something coming up. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I've still got a week. It's fine. And then you're like, oh, I've still got three days. It's fine. You're like, "Uh I've got 45 minutes. Maybe it's not so fine anymore. Um, but yes, I'm glad that we are finally kind of coming to the crux of it. Mm -hmm. I do think, like, as much as it's the joke of, like, every fucking show, like, puts everything about the plot in the last, like, two to three episodes Mm -hmm. because, like, it's hard to span it out across the whole season, typically. Like, I get, I get why shows do it. And also just the style of show that leverages, it doesn't Mm. necessarily lend itself particularly well to... To overarching plots. However, I will say I appreciate that they have given themselves four full episodes to address it because that kind of translates to basically like just under four hours worth of content. Yeah. So like if you think of it in terms of like if you were to sit down and watch a movie... Yeah. We basically got like two movies worth left to cover the significance of this final plot and because of the kind of show that leverage is where they would normally fit like the entire plot of a, a movie or even sometimes three fucking movies into one 40 minute episode i i am really excited to see how they're going to translate this into essentially the space of two feature length films you know yeah like i'm very keen because i think this seems like the kind of thing that leverage would do very well mm-hmm. Um, and I am like, we've been going through this whole season and particularly in the first few episodes, I was getting quite frustrated because like, I knew there was supposed to be a plot here and like, you told me there was. And, so and also was... a lot of the stuff like, and we do get connection to the early season in this episode, mm-hmm. we get Larry Duberman's tech back. That's yeah, from way exactly. back at the start of the season. So those connections are going to start to come in, but this yeah. is where it actually becomes like 
front and center front and center yeah. they're sort of pulling the curtain back now yeah like and that's there's what been, i'm excited for there's been stuff going on all season that mm-hmm. connects in you just don't know how exactly. yet because Cause it's foreshadowing and it's yeah. foreshadowing that's been done well because you will notice it on revisiting and so like that's what i'm excited for i'm excited to be able to finally see the way that everything was interlocking because i think if i was if i was watching this as a general audience member who didn't particularly know mm-hmm. that there was supposed to be this big you know complex machine happening behind the curtain or like you know even if I did but I wasn't sitting down to record a podcast about the analysis of it every week with you like I think that it would have bothered me much much less but it's It's just because I was sitting here going so how do you think this ties in tomorrow exactly and like by the way no shade on you I fully like (laughs) it's it's the situational circumstances but I'm just very excited because I've been waiting for so long. And the other thing is, because of the way that we record these episodes to lift the podcast curtain a bit, it's spaced out. Like, I'm watching it week by week, and we've had to take breaks for weeks because of, you know, other external factors and bits and pieces. And so I I can't just binge it and just find out, which I think, like, typically... A show like this, you would have normally just, like... Yeah, like, at this point, I would just be like, okay, well, what happens next? I'll just watch, like, three episodes at a time and just get through it. Exactly. And so, like, and I think that that is actually a really interesting sort of commentary on, like, the way that media is kind of developed now. Mm. And, like, especially, like, you know, also watching, like, the Winchesters having to watch it week by week. I was like, man, this is hard. Like, because, yeah, you just – you're we're sort of so used to just being, like, having that, like, next episode playing in five seconds and you just kind of let it roll over. So – having to have that break and like waiting and waiting and waiting for stuff to become relevant and like leverage also just the difference of having to wait five weeks instead of five hours to find out that thing's relevant because you have to remember it yeah and it's really hard yeah because i mean I, I mentioned before and this is a conversation that we've had off the podcast i don't remember if we've ever talked about it on so i'm gonna reiterate it here and then if it gets cut it gets cut but I've super duper struggled, especially with some episodes, especially when we've had to have a break for a couple of weeks, because because leverage is almost like a whole movie or yeah. two or three in an episode. There are already so many things to remember in just 40 minutes. Yeah. Not like and to be forget fair, the whole season. This episode, episode is no exception. This no. episode is a little bit simpler than some other episodes that I can think of off the top mm-hmm. of my head. But there's still a lot here. Like, we, yeah. we start out, they're doing sort of, like, the TSA. They're trying to catch him in airport security. Mm-hmm. We have Hardison doing a bit. My favourite thing ever. Him as, like, the, like, customs agent with Incredible. the stamp. Yeah. Incredible. Flawless. We get Elliot, the big fucking softie, who gets sidetracked from the mission by a small child. Yeah. Which is... Elliot and kids melt me every single time. Mm-hmm. The Dean coding just really popped out it on that really one. It really does. I wasn't even going to mention it, but Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm still I'm still trying to convince you that Elliot is the real Dean coded motherfucker on this show. You're like, it's Hardison. I'm like, here's the thing. I just you right. I think that there is elements of Dean in basically every character in this show. I just really hold back from talking about it because this is not the supernatural podcast. I have two of those where I can talk about my blobo. This is the one where I try to not do that. And <laughs> don't often succeed. But no, and so you've, you've got that whole thing and then they find out, obviously, that they're using children to smuggle it, which is... You remember how I was saying, like, more row is worse? Yeah. This factors into that. Like, okay. So there was actually a bit of information that I, as I say it out loud, I'm maybe thinking that maybe the team didn't actually get. I can't remember if this was one of the things Hardison mentioned that he found in, like, the research, like, background that he did. But at the very beginning, when the girl gets... Um, detained he's speaking to I don't know if it's like a bodyguard or like a fucking I don't know who henchmen of some yeah sort. you know evil henchmen miscellaneous yeah yeah, yeah okay um, so he's talking to the miscellaneous henchmen of the week and he's saying like oh what about the other girls and they're like oh like the others got through and he says like 9 out of 10 you know she's an acceptable kind of like casualty I suppose and I was like it's bad enough that you've got this one girl on this one flight and you know like that's an, an atrocity in and of itself obviously but the fact that she is one tenth of the scale and also that she's an acceptable loss i think is the exact quote yeah because like, it's like for him it's not about the girls mm-mm. he doesn't give a shit about these children that he is forcing to potentially break the law and 
get detained. I don't think it's even a... It's not potentially breaking the law. It's absolutely breaking it's the law. It's just the potential of them getting, getting caught. Getting breaking the law and getting detained. But it's an... He frames it as an acceptable loss, as an acceptable loss of, like, stock. Like... Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. It's It's very much along the lines of... Not to date the podcast, but, like, if you think about, like, the pandemic and, like, some of the responses from the government and it's like, well, we think that you should have to go into your workplace even though we recognise that there's a global pandemic of a deadly disease happening. Like, it's that whole thing from Shrek where Lord Farquaad is like, some of you may die, but that is a risk that I am willing to take. And it's like, fuck you. Like, you know, it's it's that same mentality of like, well, sucks to be you, I guess, but y'all are expendable, so don't forget about that. Like, it's, it's this really atrocious concept of like, you're replaceable. And that's why you should do minimum effort for minimum wage. Also unionize. <laughs> yeah, also unionize. That's, that's a big one. Like, honestly, this is a sidetrack, but like... There is no point busting your ass, working as hard as you possibly can for a corporation that ultimately doesn't care if you quit. Like, ultimately, if you leave your job, they'll just hire someone else to replace you. I'm Like, the exception being you're the only person in your fucking field who has the expertise and knowledge. In which case, do whatever the fuck you in want. In which case, they don't have a choice. But, like, in the nine cases out of, you know, well, actually, 99 percent of cases just everywhere you're viewed as expendable and it's just don't sell anyway uh, what, what we're saying is those 10 little girls should have unionized <laughs> oh my god oh actually i this is another point on that not just any like random children refugee children yes and that is so like it's abhorrent either way it's but it's just like bad thing on top of bad thing on top of bad thing on top of bad thing and it gets to a point where I'm like fuck I don't have a worse word like you know like I don't like abhorrent and atrocious and like like mm. they just don't cover it and this is just one way in mm. which Moro is bad like this is just one element this is one slice of the pie I've discussed before how Moro is very much like he has like a lot of different things happening in his criminal life yeah like, and we kind of see like a glimpse of the web Yes. Yeah. Because this is just like one sort of rough branch of the web. And the reason they go after Keller is because Keller's exposed. And they basically, because Keller does a lot of the like, he is the one who smuggles their antiquities and brings money into the organization. So mm-hmm. he's the one, like all the money sort of starts with him before yeah. it gets distributed out to Moro's other nefarious places. Yeah. Which is why they target Keller. And they get in this episode, we get some more information about the overarching plot. We get a name and we get a company. Mm-hmm. Mark Vector, the hockey player who started Slap Shop Investments, mm. who is now a federal witness, but I'm I'm pretty sure we can safely assume he's not a federal witness against Mulroy. Because mm. this would be very different if he was a federal witness against Mulroy. Yeah. <laughs> this is like another it's another step up the ladder, I suppose. Mm. Like it's it's getting closer, but it's not jumping straight to the, the no. final boss. And I'm very interested to see Like, I'm very much like that at the end of this episode, like, this episode was not, like, a to-be-continued. They wrapped it up, but I enjoyed that at the end they were like, right, let's move straight into the next thing. Mm -hmm. There's no perceived, like, between episodes, usually, you can kind of, like, assume that things have occurred between the episodes. Like, you know, there's space off screen kind of thing. Yeah. But in this instance, they're like, no, like, the pace is picking up. We're going straight into our next case. Mm -hmm. And also, I wanted to make a note. I think the tension building in this episode was particularly good. Like... Leverage is generally pretty good with, like, building tension and things within their episodes. But this one in particular, I can't really explain why. But for me, it just felt like the build was really good. And, like, I didn't feel like anything at any point was, like, over-the-top dramatized. Mm. Like, I think it's almost because this episode was about this episode, but it's also not. So, like, they can't reach that peak of intensity yet because this isn't the peak of the job yeah like this is one big job and this is only a small component of it i'm not sure if that makes sense but i can't think of another way to explain it so i think the reason why this episode feels more tense compared to some of the others in the season is we explicitly get told it's about more growth so like we know that regardless of every other factor on the job Mm -hmm. we know that the mark is inherently more competent 
than your average run-of-the-mill mom. Oh, yeah. Because it's about that sort of, like, nefarious underworld sort of, like, he is breaking the law and he is doing it on a daily basis and mm-hmm. he is getting away with it. Like, yeah. we know that this dude is not just, like... He's not just a run-of-the-mill, like, average He's not just the CEO, like, you know what I mean? Like, which is yeah. who their normal victim is. And normally it's just a CEO who's just a fucking bad dude and is yeah. using his money to ruin the lives of people. people. But it's it's almost like... Like, we've talked before a lot about, like, Sterling and Nate being mm. at the end of the spectrum kind of thing. And it's almost like Moreau is this other end of the spectrum. Mm. Like, he's doing what Nate is doing, but on a much, much bigger scale. And yeah. also for much, much, much worse reasons. Like, they're both employing illegal tactics, but for the opposite purpose. Yeah. And obviously, like, Nate and his crew is, like, relatively small and, like... Moreau and his operation is just, like, so excessive. And, like, Mm. actually, when all of the, like, infographic that they use to sort of show, like, when Mm. Hardison's sort of going through the backstory and stuff, when they're first talking about how they're going to run this con. And, like, it's on the screen and there's all of these little bits and they're all linked by, you know, lines. Mm. There were two things that reminded me of. One, a super-duper convoluted, like, family tree situation, which is quite funny considering the the episode. But also that um, scene... Uh, from Supernatural, where Dean's like strung up in hell. Oh my with god! With the chains, and I know I'm exactly like, why I reminded you of that because we've literally just watched we, that to record with, with KJ, KJ Supernatural Opinions. Which, if you're after another Supernatural <laughs> podcast, highly recommend. Go check them out; they are fantastic over there. But yes, you are absolutely right. It mm-hmm. does like. Yeah, I was like, hmm. A corporate wants you to find the difference between these two images. <laughs> I was like, it's even hell. Like, it's such a fun little analogy. <laughs> And I'm going to bring this imagery up again in a couple of episodes time because I think it will be very funny. Okay. I look forward to it. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't say anything. I was like, I'm going to try and say this in a non-spoilery way. So the people at home, look, if you want to know what I'm talking about, ask me in the discord. I will tell you. <laughs> I cannot tell Beth yet. Cause that will be massive spoilers mm. for this season. But I look forward to finding out what you guys are all talking about behind my back. <laughs> Right, lovely. So I think, yes. So some of it is that we've already established that, you know, Keller is more dangerous than their normal run-of-the-mill mark. We also Mm -hmm. know that he's backed up by the entirety of, you know, Moro's network. Yeah. I think it's also the fact that this, like, archaeology of crime, we are going back to, like, this is as close to Sophie as we have gotten so far. Yeah. Like, this Charlotte alias is one of her first, we can assume. Yeah. The archaeology of crime as a concept, I adored. I was like, oh, this is good. Like, not only is it incredibly, like, clever, mm. because, yeah, like, if you if you go back to when someone like Moreau or, like, any of the team, really, were first starting out, you can see what their most base instincts are. Mm-hmm. And you can see what they're like before they've had time to practice and train Mm. and learn how to cover their tracks yeah well honestly it's kind of like it's kind of like this podcast and our other podcast it's you watch the pilot and you watch season one and you go i can see the bones here Mm. i can see what they're doing but then you get to seasons two three four five and you go oh and, like, if you go back to season one, you can see mm. the later seasons. You can see that structure, but you can feel that they haven't quite got their stride yet. Mm. Particularly, I think, with comedies. This is true, like, if you think of, like, yes. Parks and Recreation or, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or even, like, The Good Place. Like, it takes them half a season or a season to really mm. find – or in Parks and Recreation, two seasons yeah. – to really find where they hit their stride – and then you can go back and you can see where they've learned what works. And you can see where they found the dynamics and they found the characterization and you, they found. And it's the same application. It's and just instead of analyzing media, you're analyzing a person. Like, and I love the psychology of it. And I love, like, even in this week's episode, like, Keller, like, you find that even though he is so good, Obviously, he is very good at what he does in, like, a terror... Like, don't condone it, but, like, you know, also respect the grind, you know. (laughs) Like, you know. But everyone has a thing Mm. that they're motivated by. And it is the 
in this instance, what Sophie uses is like, I know what he wants beyond his like criminal career. I know what he personally desires. And you can see that come up when you look back at people's Mm -hmm. like, you know, track record and you can go, okay, I can see the consistencies here. I can see that you will always choose this type of plan or this type of escape route, or Mm. you're always sort of interested in this particular thing. And it's like, I just, I loved it. And it's really interesting because this week, Sophie is the one who chooses the con. Mm -hmm. Normally it's Nate. And we do get the explicit line this episode that Sophie goes for the heart Nate goes for the head. Yes, I was like, ah, oh, yes, you've broken them down to their bare essentials. <laughs> so it's really, it's really, truly fascinating because, like, as Nate says, the heart con can fucking ignite, like, jet fuel. Mm-hmm. Like, you are... Yeah, what's that Taylor Swift lyric where it's just like, um, diesel is desire, you're playing with fire? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's exactly that. And so it's really, because, like, that's the other thing. Like, normally because they're going for, like, they're, they're, they're playing mind games rather than heart games. Mm-hmm. Like... Nate is so fully in control at every step of the way, it doesn't feel like the con could spiral out of control. Yeah. Whereas, like, this dude, because he's so smart, because he's so clever, because he's so cautious, you're not going to get him with the head con because he's going to see right through it. Yeah. Because this is what he does for a living. He fucking sniffs the statue for 0.5 of a second and is like, "Mm, that's a fake. And I was like okay, Doctor Who, like... <laughs> but they explain it and it fucking makes sense. Yeah. It's like... Mm-hmm. Because it, yeah. the thing is, he's not saying that it's a fake. Yeah. He's saying that it's the not... The story doesn't check out. Not from a dig in Egypt because it had to be Libyan. Mm-hmm. Specifically because of the spices it was packed with. Yeah. Which you could still smell on the statue. Yeah. Which, that entire scene... I fucking adore the like round table mm-hmm. moment they've got yeah. with Sophie. Mm-hmm. I love you can see Sophie's passion yeah. in this moment. And also her and Parker interacting is everything to mm-hmm. me in that scene. Like Parker being like, does it come with a castle? And so it's like sometimes. And it's like, oh my God. Like they are I love I love the whole team. Mm-hmm. Like I'm even fond of Nate now. But yeah. like I just loved their little back and forth in that, that Yeah. And like when Parker's like, can I lick it? She's like of course you can. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Like, that is a, actually a vital way of Yeah, killing. yeah. I'm like, this is... And that's why I was like, oh, this is like Doctor Who. Because of, like, I think it's uh, the 10th Doctor, David yeah. Tennant. David Tennant's original Doctor, because I think they, he reprised yeah. it. But anyway, point is, like, the whole, like, you know, licking stuff and sniffing stuff mm. and, like... It's it- reminding me of that scene with him and Donna. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, trying to, like, mime salt. And yeah. she's, like... Yeah. And they're like going backwards and she's completely missing the point and like he's like I'm fucking like Yeah. I, God, I forget how funny they are. Comedy gold. David Donna is, and Catherine Tate yeah. are just Donna impeccable. is my favorite companion by a long shot. Like mm. I love Donna with my entire heart. Like Yeah, I love her too. Incredible. Her ending is so tragic too. It's really funny though because we've got more Doctor Who aliases coming up in the series. Oh yeah. And you can tell who, like, Hardison likes based on which doctors he gives them. That's so funny. Like, <laughs> you can tell which doctors he likes and which people he likes because you can extrapolate one from the other. Yeah. You can be like, oh, Park is his favourite and he gave Park uh, the alias Tennant. Mm. So, do- like, David Tennant yeah. must be his favourite because he gave it to Parker. Yeah. Like. That's so funny. You can, you can, like, this is 100% something you can track based on, like, who he gives more alias that to. That is such a fun, like, meta analysis point. That mm. is, yeah, I I look forward to that. Uh, and also, slightly related to that, not really, it's not a spoiler, but I'm just going to, we learn later on that Parker is obsessed with licking dinosaur bones for some reason, so she'll just, like, break into museums to lick dinosaur bones and I, she, like, keeps track of how many T-Rex skulls in the world she's licked. Like, I love that. <laughs> that is such a delight. Like, what a weird thing <laughs> to, like, have a record of. Like, So, like, Parker licking antiquities is something you can track. Oh, that makes <laughs> it's me... Not, it's not very common. We only get a couple of instances of it, but... That makes me absurdly happy. I can't explain to you how happy it makes me. Because it's it's it, it seems... Like, such a random decision, but I cannot explain to you how perfectly in character it feels. Like, oh 
my god. I also really like dinosaurs, so like props for that. Mm. Also, though, Parker in this episode. Uh-huh. Auctioneer or getting rid of the auctioneer? Which one were you wanting to do first? I actually had a secret third Ooh. conversational topic that I wanted to Okay, bring up. You, you go right ahead. The way that Parker is talking about that safe and like fully caressing yeah. it, I mm-hmm. was like, she is flirting with mm-hmm. this safe and it's working. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, I, was I like, wish I was that safe. Like, I was like, this scene is very sensual. Mm-hmm. I, like, I was. I have no words. Like, yeah, it, it was so interesting to watch because I was like, this is like, she's in her element. Like, actually, I think part of why I love this episode so much is because basically Sophie and Parker were both so in their element and Hardison to an yeah. extent as well, but in a very well, different Hardison way. Hardison was very out of his element, but he well, was like, he was also thriving. Like, yeah, this is the thing. Like, he... Hardison's achievements were played much more for comedic yeah. impact. Sophie and Parker's were like so interesting for their characters. Mm-hmm. Like Parker talking about all of the different things about the safe and the like ways that because of like specifically the humidity of Britain, you know, like why yeah. it didn't work. And she's like, I almost feel sorry for you kind of thing. Like it was so mm-hmm. incredible to like hear all of her niche knowledge. And then we also had the same thing from Sophie, which is yeah. why I think like, obviously, in a very different way. Like, her knowledge about, like, the monarchy and, like, the way that all that kind of works. And, and art and antiquities. And actually, mm-hmm. like, watching them both thrive individually but also come together to share their knowledge. And, like, I think that's why the bit about Parker licking the statue for me was just so key because I was like, this is them bonding. Mm-hmm. Like, both of them are so specific in their niche knowledges but also they're sharing right yeah. now. They're like, this is my special interest. Do you want to look at it with me? And the other one is like, absolutely, I do. Also, Here's I, how it's relevant to my special interest. Also, I am 100% the dude in the pink shirt. Like, oh my god, yes. Nate was like, oh, you like her? You want to get with her? You got a bit on the books. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Bid on the books. Like, yeah. Like, I'm ace, but I'm still bidding on the books. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was so. Fun. I also loved both Nate and Sophie employing men are stupid and horny as a tactic. <laughs> in very different ways. Yeah, simultaneously against each other in a sense. And we also get um Sophie using neurolinguistic programming. Mm. On the first bid, she taps the leg twice to signal bid. Yeah. And then she uses it again because she's already created that association with like Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm just gonna fully grope his leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look. Which is so weird, considering at the time she's going, how dare that little toe rag bit on our ancestors' territory, like, implying they're related. Yeah. And it's like, they're not. But also. Yeah. I also, here's the thing. I don't know. Like, they weren't flirting up until that point. So it felt a little bit bizarre for me. Like, I, I get it. Men are stupid and horny. Mm-hmm. We've discussed this at length. But, like, it did feel like a bit of an odd choice. I mean, it worked. So I guess kudos to her. But also... I feel like if I was him, I would have been more distracted by the hand on my leg. I would have forgotten to raise the paddle. Like, you know. <laughs> I think that's just because you're gay. It would have been like, you would be dazzled by Sophie. <laughs> she looked so good she in did. this episode. The costuming in this episode. Let's say a big thank you to Nadine Haters. Nadine Haters, you have my whole heart. Every single fucking look of Sophie's iconic. The black dress with a little cutout. The black in dress the top. with that little cutout. Oh my god! Iconic. We've got fucking Hardison in like the tank top situation. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And then you've got Elliot in his mechanic outfit. Oh my god! I literally was so happy with everything this episode. Like costuming was so fun. Every single look of Parker's just fucking slayed. Mm-hmm. Parker and like the pencil skirt as the auctioneer. I also love the scene where like she just pops up and like Nate's like Parker I think she's like yeah. pops up and he goes like well yeah. she's like I, yeah like Sophie told me to give him his heart's desires but that sounded too hard. I so- know. Does this smell like chloroform <laughs> to you? Fucking hilarious. I also loved her um, actually, there was a bunch of stuff where I love Parker this episode. I really loved when she breaks into the safe and she's unpacking all the art. I love that she's going, last time I saw you was at the Louvre. Actually, the back of my car, but before that, the Louvre. And I was like, I'm obsessed with this. Like, Parker recognising all of her previous mm-hmm. loot. I was like, this is peak. And it happens again as she, when she's the auctioneer. She's like, what? Like, 
When she's like, well, this is a fake and fucking tosses it. Oh my God. And when she's talking about the little like jewelry box, it's like, this piece is way more expensive than you think it yeah. is by the 16 henchmen chasing you through the grounds of it. When you try to pick it up. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking funny. But it reminded me of, um, I think, was it was it actually just last episode where Elliot like throws the vase and I had a small heart attack? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. my God. When he's like digging through to try and find the dagger and he's uh-huh. just like, this isn't fucking it. Yeah. Except that this time Parker does it in front of a room full of people. <laughs> Like, I don't even know, like, obviously it's played for comedy, and I think it's very funny, but mm. also, like... Way to get yourself thrown out. Like, <laughs> like, it was funny, but it was also like, well, you just ruined the con. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it gets forgiven because it's a TV show and people don't act the normal way in TV shows, but also, like, yeah, in real life, that would have... You would have fully been, like... Yeah. Oh, I actually have a secondary point on this. Moving away from the auction, the airport, mm. again, at the beginning of the episode... When all of the alarms go off in the airport, I was like, I'm going to be real. I've been in an airport pretty recently, as have you, actually. And if alarms started blaring in an airport, I would panic, personally. Here's the thing. like, I just feel like it was maybe... I the airport security choices I, were maybe I, I, bad. I understand why they did it from like a television perspective and from like a writing perspective. Well, you have to have them notice it somehow. Mm, yeah. But... That sort of thing would not be alarms. Yeah. Those are the alarms you get if they find a bomb. Exactly. Like, I was like, like, what the fuck are they... Like, I was like, there's either a fire or I'm otherwise about to die. Like... Because like, normally in those situations, they won't... They will just, like, pull you aside. Yeah, like, you want not, to be covert. Yeah. You do not want to draw attention to no. it because everyone will panic. And, like, that was my thing. I was like, if I was in that line, I'd be like, what the fuck did they just find... Am I about to die? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I just feel like... It Those was, are, it's a bomb things, not yeah. smuggled antiquities. Things. Yeah, and it's like, you know, if you're in, like, a general apartment complex or, like, a building and an alarm goes off, you probably think fire before anything else. And, like, mm-hmm. that is enough of a danger. And then you, like, get out. But in an airport, there are certain contextual things that will make people panic more if they hear an alarm mm-hmm. go off. So it seemed yeah. like, and like seeing like fucking eight people run in, like for this small child, for this tiny child holding like a fucking toy rabbit, which like kind of like Loki. I'm pretty sure it was a rabbit. Now that I say it, maybe I'm second guessing myself. But like some kind of stuffed animal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Parker, like yeah. mm. Parker coded, mm-hmm. which particularly being conned into committing crimes mm-hmm. as a child. Yeah. Which we also get Parker and cereal this way. She's sitting oh, there and yeah. she's munching on cereal. So it's really fascinating for me in an episode that is specifically about, like, the archaeology of crime, specifically the archaeology of Keller's crimes and also Sophie's crimes. Oh, yes, yes. I figured we'd come back to this. It is yeah. fascinating that we get Parker sort of reverting to her roots because mm-hmm. we haven't seen Parker in cereal for a while, not since the inside job, I don't think. Yeah, which I think is when you maybe pointed it out like i don't think i've particularly noticed it many times since you pointed it out to me yeah so and i normally do point it out because parker and cereal is one of those things and i think i actually pointed it out just before the inside job but we did point it out again in the inside job because she has the wall of cereal yeah um maybe let's talk about sophie Okay. Before, or did you have something else you wanted to... Before we move on to Sophie, which is 100% where we're going next, I do just have one more little Parker thing, mm-hmm. which is I love the way she's like, birdhead. And I think he's smiling at me. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. Iconic. But Parker and Sophie in this episode, they're so fascinating. Yeah. Specifically in the way they interact with each other, mm-hmm. considering this is probably the most vulnerable we've seen Sophie in a long time. Like oh, Since like the, the since... two live crew job, I would probably say. I was going to say, honestly, I think this is the most vulnerable we've seen her since she went on sabbatical. Like, you know, I think that this is, since she's been back this season, Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time we've really seen any kind of crack in the facade of Mm -hmm. Sophie. Like, And it's her getting pissed that maybe in the past some of her art was moved using children. Yeah. And so she has the gorgeous line, art for blood, Mm. which is just like... Yeah. It hits you. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's, you don't often think about your impact on the bigger picture. 
So, like, for Sophie, she's like, yeah, I, I stole a piece of art and I sold it to a buyer. And she was like, that's, like, I, where my... Yeah. You know, I stole from one rich dude and I sold it to another rich dude. Like, and that's where it ends. And nine times out of ten, the rich dude I sold it, like, stole it from was excited to be taken on a ride. Like... Yeah, exactly. But you don't necessarily think about, like, okay, but, like, how does the art then get to the other rich dude? And, like, so it's her part in this sort of covert underground black market ring where like she's only thinking about the part that she is actively involved in and not necessarily like the ramifications and ripple effects that her involvement actually has on the grander scheme of things and like that's fair like I think that you know it's obviously difficult especially if you don't fully understand the scope of this operation you know but I think it is really interesting that she is self-reflecting on that yeah and like thinking about in retrospect like how much collateral damage did I actually cause Mm -hmm. this is more introspection than we ever see from like a single one of the Avengers and I think that they arguably directly cause a lot more personal injury and damage (laughs) so I also just we get a new we get a new alias we get Catherine Prentice who Sophie says is not her real name. So we have got confirmation of that. Her name is not Charlotte. Mm. This is one of the reasons why you were, like, a while ago you asked me, can you confirm if we get Sophie's real name or not? Mm-hmm. I said no because we have a couple of episodes like this yeah, where it's like, I don't want you to know whether we're going to actually get her name mm-hmm. or if we're going to get, like, a yeah. confirmation that it's not her name or if it gets left in the balance. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, like point out like this is the sort of episode where i was like i think it would be negatively impactful for you to know whether we do get it or not yeah because then you sort of have an expectation in your brain um as to whether it's going to get confirmed or denied so i just want to like point that out real quick like this is the sort of thing because we do get we get a name for her it's charlotte it was according to her a stage name Mm. um and we also get confirmation that she was very clearly like her alias of charlotte is not royal by birth, is not noble by birth. Like, she married into it. Mm. That's why we've got, like, you get the confirmation that, you know, one has to love fiercely in order to die of a broken heart, which, I'm sorry, but that line to me is just so supernatural coded for some reason. I don't know I know, why. I fully understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you just... <laughs> I, I love that line, but also it kind of also feels like it's ripped out of a supernatural episode. Yeah, like, we can come back to this many times. <laughs> Uh, it's particularly Dean coded. Um, we'll see. Yes. Um, we will get. Oh, and then the follow up of, um, the drink helped. Yeah. Which, and then we get the pointed, like, shot on Nate or whatever. Like, interesting. Things that make you go, hmm. Hmm. Um, we will get more information about that entire situation later on down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, not for a while, though. Okay. Not am, this season. I am glad to know that we do get more info because I did have kind of some questions, obviously, yeah. around this. And I did note, and I got very excited when I realized I had noticed this, which is, it, yeah, look, it's I a get low it. Bar. It's a low <laughs> bar, but I was excited. So she mentioned earlier in the episode, she's like, no, no, like, I have spent seven years perfecting yeah. this. Like, I, this is a good alias yeah and then we find out that william died eight years ago so i'm like okay so there's a year yeah there which means that no 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 i think she means she spent seven years perfecting it Mm -hmm. and then she got out of it and then when she sort of like jumped from that alias and that's when he died of like a broken heart she perfected it so i i can i without boiling i can reveal i can tell you the timeline she spent a whole bunch of time in this alias she married she actually marries william we do get confirmation of that later on but it's pretty heavily implied this episode so i don't think it's a spoiler yeah she marries william and then for one reason or another she sort of like you know as jump you ship. do she had to jump ship and then he died and now it's been eight years since he's died oh that's really annoying yeah like, it, not the timeline. It's yeah. annoying that I misinterpreted it because, like... Yeah, yeah so it's a, it's a different it's a different conversation of timescale. Like, yeah. she said she spent seven years on just this alias. Just the way that it They're was not, presented. Yeah. Like, because we have no reason to believe when she's explaining it to Nate and that, that, like, that seven years isn't just the last seven years. Yeah. 
But it's not. That's that's yeah. really annoying. Because I was like, oh, that's really cool. I, because I figured, like that means that yeah. like she spent time. Like I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So like that's like a link to like her actual thing. But I guess that's no. just oh. yeah. It's Aww. that's just you. So the line. I think the line is meant to be interpreted like that she did spend seven years on it, not necessarily the last seven years, because you've got to remember none of the crew have heard of this alias, and she's been with the crew for the last, like, three years. Yeah, but I guess, like, she can have side projects. Like, for I was just thinking, like, this maybe was something she was doing in her downtime, like... No, 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 no. So, archaeology of crime, we're going to back to, like, the start of Sophie's career. Yeah. Oh, so, Charlotte is one of her, like first original aliases so we don't actually get confirmation of so we know that william dies eight years ago and we know that sophie spent seven years in this alias but we don't know if necessarily like the overlap yeah so we don't know like so we know that sophie stopped using this alias and then william died that is the sequence of events she stopped using the alias and then william died Mm -hmm. we don't know how long the stretch of time was between the two yeah. Because he, quote-unquote, died from a broken heart. Like... Which isn't a real medical thing. But no, like, but you know... It's like, Sophie left, he fell into depression or whatever. Yeah. Because and, she left and then... Yeah. Uh, become an alcoholic and died. So we don't know how long that process took and how long the gap between those mm. two was. But, no, the Charlotte alias is... Is old. very very old. That's I like. Here's the thing. I enjoy that, but I'm really annoyed that like I misinterpreted it because I was so excited, um, and I feel like I don't know. Like just in the way that I interpreted it, yeah. I feel like it feels misleading. I recognize that it's not. It's just that that's my interpretation of it. But I'm also kind of like bummed because like I don't know the way it's you been- had some fun thoughts around yeah. it. And it's like oh well, actually. You know, like, the writing isn't super clear and the way I interpreted it is not necessarily the way it was designed to be interpreted. I, I will give you that clarification because, like, you, you were meant to get it in this episode anyway, but obviously just the way the writing is written, it's not super-duper clear. Yeah. It has not been the last seven years that she's been working on this alias. Like, she – this is, like, when I say, like, we're looking at the archaeology of crime for Keller – we're also looking at it for Sophie. And part of that archaeology of Cry for Sophie is we're revisiting one of the aliases. Like, because this is the first alias that we've seen her use mm. that Hardison didn't create. Or didn't help create. Or didn't help create. Because I would argue like, that Sophie does yeah, create you know, all of them. Absolutely. But, but he'll give her, like, like... All of the papers and credentials and all of, all of the legitimacy around the alias, Hardison creates. And then Sophie just brings the... The person to life. So it's like, obviously, Sophie plays a huge part in creating all of her aliases, but this is, like, the only one that Hardison wouldn't have. He didn't have to supplement. No, because it was already established, because it was... Mm. And, like, that's also why we get from... I forget her name. um, She calls her auntie. Yeah. I forget. The title. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But I'm just going to call her auntie. That's why she says, oh, how many years has it been now, like... I haven't seen it you in years. So I think this comes right back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, which is like so much fucking happens in this show. Like if you miss one line. But so, you know, she goes, where have you been all these years? So it that's the implied, the, the implied time that she hasn't seen Sophie since William's death, since like before William's death. Yeah. Oh, I also just want to like really quickly shout out. That I am obsessed with, like, the whole thing about, like, Killer being like, let's leave our pets at home, shall we? And she, he's, yeah. like, referring to Nate, like, yeah. iconic. Which is really interesting because normally, like, that's sort of the d- d- dynamic that, like, Nate and Elliot play off of. Like, they normally mm-hmm. do, like, that's their sort of dynamic that they normally play off. But, yeah, it's very interesting to see it with Sophie and Nate. I also just love that, like, yeah, like... At least one of Sophie's aliases is, like, legitimately a duchess. Like... Yeah. Like, there is no way for... Like... It's not actually fake. No. It's, (laughs) like... It is obviously all based on false pretenses because it was a con. But, like, also... Technically by marriage. She she has actually married into a noble family. She is technically a duchess. I love this, like, concept that, like, Hardison just kind of can do things now, but, like, before that, like, this is the long con that Sophie would have to run to get that kind of documentation. And, like, Mm -hmm. also that I assume we will get more information about why she was doing it at some later point. Otherwise, this seems like a random thing to include. But, you know, it 
it's kind of like respect the like respect the grind again like you know like she wanted it for whatever reason and she got it like there is really truly no like she she's just that good she's just truly that good um speaking of being that good i think we should talk about hardison oh yeah <laughs> the goat the goat 100 percent. like i i wrote down his little quotes it's like i made ink from boysenberries i tanned hide for the bindings i made glue from animal parts that i don't care to discuss like i was like i am obsessed with him and then he's like i've hacked history and i'm like baby i love you <laughs> i also love the um the the delivery of the line use a moist palette please mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i got it oh side note fucking Elliot making the comment about how soot gets everywhere. He is so real for that. Naomi does a lot of art with charcoal. And let me tell you, I have found charcoal fucking everywhere in this goddamn house. I find it on light switches. I find it in the kitchen. I find it in bathrooms. There's charcoal everywhere. It doesn't matter what you do. It will find its way onto everything. (laughs) It's impossible. Oh, I also loved when he's doing, like, the initial, like, work on the computer sort of closer to the beginning. And he makes the comment of, like, it's so old, possibly steam-powered. And then he's like, which would be cool, actually. And I just, I think it's very sweet. It's, I think it's very throwing cute. me back to um, the two live crew job where, like, he's going against Chaos. And, like, he, like Chaos cuts his power. So he just has, like, the hand mm-hmm. crank generator, like. Incredible. Incredible. I would love to see Hardison actually, like, working with more physical like tech rather than mm. just like software kind of thing like i prefer i think it would be really fun to see him working with more hardware mm-hmm. than software sometimes yeah. because mm-hmm. personally just for me i find a little bit like actually i think that leverage does very well to avoid this i will put that out there but i do find with a lot of sort of sort of like modern uh like crime shows or like this type of show you have like just hacking quote unquote and it's just like you just see someone typing furiously and you're like i'm in you know like that whole hacker voice me it is very much like that and i much prefer as an audience member to see people actually physically doing things because one it's more visually interesting and two i can kind of respect it a little bit more because like i can understand like i can as a person who is not very tech savvy can comprehend mm-hmm. the skill it takes to have someone like break into a safe like Parker does or whatever, or play yeah. someone like Sophie does. It's very difficult to comprehend exactly the skill what he's doing while Har- he's doing his typing, typing. Yeah, exactly. It's very difficult to comprehend the skill that Hardison is exhibiting he because just I'm like, it just looks like me when I'm like furiously typing a fanfic, you know? Like I, I'm like t- searching Ao3 like for this, you know. <laughs> 100,000 word fanfic I read 10 years ago that I'm desperately trying to find, you know, and I'm like, well, I could do that. I know I can't. I can barely, like, the amount of tech background that Jamie does just for our podcast because I'm bloody useless. She is truly useless it's at technology. It's really shocking, actually. I'm so grandma coded, but, you know. I have, if that is the case, I have some scenes that I am very excited for you to see moving forward mm. because we, we do get more. Not just Hardison, we get other characters as well doing some more, like, hands-on tech sort of work stuff. Yeah. For anyone listening, I'm specifically thinking about uh, the robot in the carnival job and the cell phone cloning in the uh, uh, the broken wing job. Yeah, that's what it's called. Cool beans. I look forward to it. I just gave you a thumbs up and then just realized no one could see it. So. <laughs> see, that's how bad at technology she is. She forgets that a microphone is not a camera. Oh, yeah. Look, take it or leave it. I am who I am. I also do love that he is absolutely the most offended by the paper files. He's like, wait, that's not just for decoration? Like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's, like, genuine? That's not just for, like, the prop of authenticity? Oh, while we're sort of dancing around, the, I like, the concept of, like, film and the way that thievery is presented on screen and stuff, I will make a note. I think that the icons that they use to make the box is a very good idea. Mm-hmm. However, I do think that it's a little bit underhanded to not give the audience yeah. that last snippet of conversation. conversation. Because even if, if Nate had said it, it's early enough in the episode and enough happens between then and the end that yeah. I think he would have effectively forgotten that they he yeah. had said, I'll grab those as well. Yeah. You know? Like, so... Or even if he had just said, like, you know... 
after that, that I can like I've got an idea or something like yeah exactly I feel like cutting that entire section of conversation is a bit underhanded in terms of you prevent the audience yeah from like having that little tiny extra bit of information yeah. that could allow you to sort of see where the plan is going yeah. which is one of the only maybe consistent complaints I do have with leverage not so much in the first season but in the second and third I found that they have more often removed the key component that you actually would need to predict the plot yeah and I understand why but I also think it is slightly less fun from an audience perspective just because like you don't actually have a reliable chance at being able to figure out if you are trying to but I mean it's a very tiny complaint Okay, I feel like we need to talk about Elliot in this episode. Yes. Um, Elliot playing, like, the dumb American and being like, the round-arounds or the... Oh, red means stop, just like in the the States. States. (laughs) The streets of London, Mm going to be on the other side of the road. They're like, you know, other side. Mm -hmm. So, oh, not my fault. It's like, it's 100% your fault, Mm man. But that's okay, because you're playing... He's playing dumb. He's playing dumb. He's very so adorable in this episode. I don't know how this middle-aged man manages to look like a little golden retriever puppy dog, but he does it. Yeah. Like, the bit where he gets off the phone with Nate and he turns around and he just, like, no teeth smiles at them. I'm like, you look like a precious little angel baby, and I don't know how you're doing it with your face. And it's so – for me, it's really fascinating because he's on the phone with Nate and he looks terrifying. Mm -hmm. Because he's just demonstrated how fucking quick and smart – he's like – you want Very me distinctive to, haircuts. <laughs> you want me to stall three British paratroopers? And he's like, how the fuck do you know that? He's like, it's the haircuts. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. And, like, I'm really glad that he did get the opportunity to, like, take those guys out. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as, like, they drew that gun, I was like, oh, this is gonna... You're this not, is gonna you're go not, badly for you. Yeah, I was like, you're not getting out of here, uh unharmed <laughs> also i love that they're all like taped with their legs in the air i don't know why but it's just a very fun image they kind of look like little bugs that get stuck on their back you know also i loved seeing him utilize the belt i thought that was very fun i thought it was a really good example of elliot being able to adapt to his surroundings and mm. being able to use like stuff that the enemy had brought to him to his advantage without using their actual weapons mm. like i think that's very fun I also just love the fact that he goes to wipe his hands on the um like the moistened paper. Oh my god! And, yeah, and and Hardison is like, you don't want to know, man. <laughs> and he's like, seriously, Hardison, and, and Hardison's like, you've touched worse. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I also love the line. Oh yeah, it smells like a statue. Like <laughs> impeccable. And we've given. Elliot, Actually, a lot of flack for being creepy in the last few episodes, but I do kind of love the fact that he's like, I bought this, like, you know, some sort of oil, walnut oil from a very stunning vegan chick. Thank you yeah. for that, by the way. Like, yeah. Like, that's the normal way to show him being a womanizer without being weird and creepy about it. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also without having to have the woman in question be made uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Mm. This is moving away from Elliot a little bit. So do you have anything else you wanted to no, touch on No, I'm actually, there? like, I'm very nearly at the end of my note. I wanted to make a note, and I have written this in all caps, mm-hmm. which is Sophie saying, oh, sorry, actually, it's Nate saying, it's Nate saying, if you get emotionally invested, you get sloppy. Uh, now, Sophie <laughs> fucking roasts him. I know, this. I know. And As she is, is her so God-given valid. right. I, I literally, when he said that, I was like, this is literally just the most, I don't even have, like, hypocritical doesn't feel like the right term. It's like he literally, it's, it's like he's staring directly past the mirror. Like, he's looking at Sophie, there is a mirror right next to his face. He's the Taylor Swift lyric, I will stare directly at the sun, but But never never in the the mirror. mirror. Yes. Sophie is the sun. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And the mirror is next to him. And he's like, hmm. No. <laughs> the fascinating thing about this line is it is actually exactly proof of the concept that he's trying to warn them about. Yeah. Like, him not acknowledging that maybe he's a little bit too emotionally invested in this, you know, because he's mm-hmm. going to get thrown back in prison if yeah. he doesn't pull this shit off. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, and honestly, the the hypocrisy of, specifically of Nate and Sophie talking to each other about this, I'm like... 
my dudes, you guys are the ones who are almost like every, everyone has had a con that they have been emotionally invested in. I would argue probably Hardison the least so. Yeah. We've definitely had more like Parker is emotionally invested and Elliot is emotionally invested than we've had Hardison. But However, also like I'm getting flashbacks to like the wedding job. Right? <laughs> I'm like, but Nate and Sophie not only will let their personal emotions get involved in the con itself, but they will allow their personal emotions with each other to get yeah. involved. I'm like, you guys are the most emotionally volatile people in this entire crew. And the absurdity of the two of you trying to like come at each other, being like, you're too emotionally invested in this, is just ridiculous. It's so funny. Like, it's very in character. I yeah. think it's good writing. It, the concept is just so funny. I think it's also just, like, if one of the two of them is emotionally invested, it can fuck up the entire plan. Yeah. Whereas if one of the other members of the team is emotionally invested, mm-hmm. like, they can sort of, like... Work around it. Like, they will compensate for that. But when it's them, there's mm-hmm. no one to compensate for that. Like, Yeah, it's- exactly. Exactly. And, like, we've seen that, like, when Nate becomes emotionally invested in things, he puts everyone around him at risk. By, like, being, like, making riskier choices and, you know, sort of not communicating things and drinking. And when Sophie becomes emotionally invested in things, she, like, it affects her characters and her characters make choices that don't make sense for the characters and, like... Potentially tip off the mark because mm-hmm. she's acting odd and, like... Yeah, and so it's, like... And then she's putting herself in immediate danger because she's standing right fucking there. And it endangers the con. And it's like, my dudes, like, if Hardison is pissed off, he still does his job. Like, Mm -hmm. you guys get emotionally invested and you can't function anymore. Like, the others are emotionally invested. I think the only other person who's gotten, like, too emotionally invested and put everyone else in danger is Parker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the inside job? For the inside job and for the stalk job. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else is like you could say like is it Elliot in the Beantown bailout job? No, no, no. The um tap out job. The tap out job. Thank you. I knew it was in that sort of area, but he is emotionally invested there. But from memory, I don't think he does anything no. that actually puts anyone else at risk. He just makes the case. He argues mm. the case on behalf of yeah. the victims. Also, um, Parker in the boost job. Mm. Mm-hmm. Forgot the forgot the most recent most yeah. obvious one. <laughs> Parker in the boost job. Um. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah, there is, like, the pot calling the kettle black. It's like, you don't, you got, you... Yeah, exactly. They, neither of them really have a leg to stand on. No. Which is funny because they are both correct. Mm-hmm. It's just that they don't really have the credentials to, like, call it out in the other. Yeah. People in glass houses should not throw stones. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. It's like if Dean calls Sam emotionally repressed. It's like, yeah, baby... Obviously, but also... Your repression <laughs> boy, like... Yeah. Um, all right, love, well, I had nothing else that I wanted to add this week, so if you're mm, all done as well... Yeah, I think I'm all sorted. Okay, the first question of the wrap-up, how would you rate the King George job out of five? I did think about this as I was watching the episode, because I enjoyed this one quite a lot. And it's funny, because I know last week we just talked about, like, I gave last week's episode a 3.5, mm. and, like, you were like, oh, like, that's lower that's than I thought. That's very mean. And I respect that, but I think, I was trying to think about this episode and last episode in that context, and I was like, I enjoyed this episode, like, baseline, but I feel like the rewatchability is less. Do you mm. know what I mean? And so I'm, like, trying to, I'm like, fuck, I've, like, put myself in a corner, because... Like, I stand by my rating for last week, but I'm also like, fuck, now it's going to fuck with all of my ratings, because I think that last week's was a better episode than this week, but my gut instinct was to give this episode a four. But I don't think that this episode is better than last episode. I just think that on a first watch, like, it's good. So I'm, I'm debating if I retroactively change last week's rating purely so that it doesn't fuck with all of my other ratings. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I stand by my reasoning, but also... I'm like, I can't, I can't rate this episode at a baseline better than last week's episode because I do think last week's episode was better than this week's episode. But because of the reasons I gave, like, I've fucked myself over. I've shot myself in the foot. I think I'm going to give this week's episode, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four. But like, I, I just want it to be on the record. I don't actually think it was better than last week's. I know that's how I rated it. The maths is not mathing. But just because, like, this episode, I think, on the first watch, 
I think it has higher value than a rewatch, right? Mm. But last week's episode, I think a rewatch has higher value than the initial. And I just, I don't know if that makes sense to anyone but me, but I need to put a caveat on that because otherwise I think people are going to get real mad at me for giving this episode a higher rating than last week. To be week. fair, this is also like a, like a lot of people in the fandom love this. Like this I'm is, not shocked. This, this is, is a not good a, episode. Yeah, it, it is... It's not like it's not like an episode where everyone's like, "Oh my god, I love that!" Like that is like flawless, like mm-hmm. constant re- like. But it is also like, I, as far as I know, nobody in the fandom dislikes this episode. Yeah, like, like I have the most minimal things about yeah. this episode that I'm like, hey, I didn't love that. Like I didn't love that we lost that little bit of conversation between Nate and Parker yeah. that I think they could have left in without it being like but here's a massive the thing, we giveaway. Don't know, it, it could have even just been like they cut it for time. Or yeah, something. exactly. Like. like you know, I mean, even so... It's, it's not great, but it's still, yeah. like, they are working within limitations, and it's like, yeah, you just personally didn't like the storytelling device they used. Yeah, exactly. And that's, like, I mean, it's all subjective and personal, but, yeah, it's, it's my opinion. But the only other thing that I could even nitpick is the, is the timeline thing, but that's my misinterpretation. Mm. Like, they did give me the information. I just was probably busy taking a note or dealing with yeah. my dog or trying to catch a fucking mouse in my house, which is a whole other side plot of Bethany's current life situation. But mouses and houses. Mouses and houses. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, it's, it's the most... Like, and I can't even fault the episode for that because that's not an error that they made. That's just my misinterpretation and I felt a little bit dumb and that made me sad. Mm. But, like, yeah, so anyway, I'm going to give this one a four. Right, lovely. So now I think this is going to be the easiest version of this question you've ever gotten. Okay. (laughs) How do you slash do you think this episode connects into Mora? I don't think this one is connected to Mora at all. Literally nothing in the episode could lend itself to that interpretation. I think that, honestly, of all the episodes we've watched, this one is the least likely to be connected. Yeah. I'm obviously kidding. Yes, this is very much linked to Mora. It, like... I they tell just, you if like, you if you want to know how it's linked tomorrow, I would recommend you watch the episode. Like I'm not going to recap it for you, but like yeah, this one is definitely linked. I am excited to know that we are getting sort of into the the meat mm-hmm. of that plot because I've been looking for it all season, and I'm excited to watch it. I also think that like talking about rewatchability, I think that season three will likely of the first three seasons at least have a higher rewatchability mm. than seasons one and two purely because of this because i if i know leverage which at this point i think i do mm. i know that there are going to be so many little easter eggs and clues mm. and hints throughout the season that i just have no way of knowing are going to be important or relevant yeah. until i've seen this plot unfold and so i'm quite excited to see how the plot unfolds so that you know if i ever come back and rewatch season three I can be on the lookout for the little bits and pieces yeah. that I'm sure you and everyone listening yeah. are very, very aware of. Mm-hmm. And I'm that gonna... I'm not allowed to mention. Yeah. And, you know, anyway, yes, obviously this episode connects to Moreau. I'm excited to see how that connection gets stronger with the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. All right. Lovely. Well, the next episode is called The Morning After Job. What do you think it's going to be about? Okay. The concept of the morning after, mm-hmm. usually in like, you know, the places that I've heard that sort of expression mm-hmm. used would normally refer to like the morning after a party or the morning after a argument or the morning after a romantic rendezvous. Like, you know, that kind of like something monumentous in some regard has occurred. And then this is kind of like you wake up the next morning and you deal with the aftermath of it. It's kind of like you have your New Year's Eve party and it's like, woo, and like whatever. And then you wake up on January 1st and you're like groggy and exhausted because you went to bed after Oh, you mean literally and... New Year's Day by Taylor Swift? Well, yeah, that's basically what I was alluding to, but I didn't want to explicitly say it because we keep referencing Supernatural and Taylor Swift, which are my special interests on your special interest show. So I was trying to avoid it. But yes, that is exactly the concept yeah. I'm going with. Like, basically, like you've had the big fun or like big scary or like big whatever event or just like, you know, something big has happened and then you wake up the morning after and you have to deal with it. And yeah, and you deal with the fallout or you deal with like the cleanup or like however, whatever, depending on the thing that has happened, whether it's good or bad or kind of neutral, you still have to deal with the fallout of it. So I assume something's going to happen. I'm assuming that then it's going to be either like it'll be the team like dealing with the fallout or it's going to be the thing that happens that leads to the fallout. All right, lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed your morning, evening, afternoon, lunch, brunch, midnight, whatever time of the day or night you have had with us. 
we look forward to uh, speaking to you next week for that episode, which is the morning after job. If you want to discuss anything else with us at all, we are on various social media platforms. All of the links can be found in our description below. If you want to talk to us at all, some suggested topics of conversation include... Did you also, like me, misinterpret the timeline of Sophie's alias? Um, or just generally, like, Sophie's alias, like, as Charlotte or Catherine mm-hmm. or whoever, you yeah. know, whatever the official name is. Like, I would really like to talk about that, obviously, in a non-spoilery concept. Yeah. Uh, so that because I really really enjoyed like mm-hmm. seeing that kind of unfold. I thought it was very fun. I liked the uh, the fake out gotcha moment of like the actual person from the family yeah. showing up and then like actually no, is, yeah yeah yeah. I thought that was very fun. So yeah, if if anyone wants to talk more about that particular alias or honestly any of Sophie's aliases, I'd be so into that. Yeah, obviously, if you ever want to talk to me about like Parker stuff, like Parker is a babe. This episode. Or if you have any, like, specific opinions about, like, the character design and the costume design at all, like, I'm always down for talking about costume design, and mm. I think this episode is, like, a fascinating one for that. Yeah. And I really love it, so. Oh, I have, like, a genuine question, and I, this is kind of a question for you, I guess, but what would you bid arguably too much money for at an auction? Ooh. Like, what would be yeah. your thing that, like, might not actually be worth that much, like, in mm-hmm. terms of monetary value, but, like, emotional. Like, mm-hmm. what would you bid for? Like, I think that's a fun thing to consider. I don't actually know what my answer is. Mm-hmm. I would have to think about it. But, yeah. If no, got- I don't know either. Like, I'm trying to think of something, but it's like... <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> now just si- now silence. <laughs> the jackal's tapes. <laughs> oh, my God. That says the jackal's tapes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.